A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling after us. Jesus said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus' homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. So today, today's Gospel finds Jesus moving into some new territory. You know, most of the time he spent his ministry was in, in Galilee. That was um, where Nazareth was and Capernaum and in the hometowns that Jesus knew best. And so he spent most of his ministry in Galilee. He'd go from village to village, preaching in the various synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom of God, right? We have a, we have a new rosary mystery about that. Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God. And if you ever wonder what that sermon was that he preached in all these places, uh, you can just look at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, really was the basis of Jesus' sermon that he preached from place to place to place, because when you're a traveling preacher, you pretty much have, you have one sermon you're going to preach over and over and over again as you, as you move along. So that's pretty much what Jesus had been teaching. And he, but at this time, he desired to move a little bit out of his comfort zone, a little bit out of his comfortable area, and he goes into the towns of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon are in southern Lebanon. So, if we know pretty much, you know, we see Beirut in the news a lot. So, Sidon is about 25 miles south of Beirut, yet further south. So they're along the Mediterranean coast, and I'm sure there were large Jewish settlements in those towns. And so Jesus is going there to, to preach in the synagogues in those villages. So he goes to Tyre first, and he preaches the kingdom of God. And then the next day, he's going to go to Sidon. But it's 25 miles away, and they're walking. That's quite a hike. If you ever tried to walk 25 miles in a day, you've got to keep a pretty good clip going to get there. And Jesus knows he needs to reach there before dark because the road gets very dangerous after dark. There are, there are highwaymen and robbers and brigands and thieves and all kinds of people you want to stay away from. So Jesus had to get there before the dark. So he was in a bit of a hurry. And as Jesus is making this road, he is met by a Canaanite woman who cries out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, have pity on me. My daughter is plagued with a demon. 
Who is this woman? She's a Canaanite. We know that. Now, Canaanites and Jews did not have a great relationship. In fact, they, they hated each other worse than farm, farmers and cowmen. You see, the land that we now know as Israel was actually owned by the Canaanites. It was possessed by the Canaanites before Moses brought the Hebrews out of, uh, Hebrew slaves out of Egypt, and then it fell to Moses' successor, Joshua, to take possession of the promised land, what we now think of as Israel. But of course, the problem is there are people living there. These people that are living there are the Canaanites. Well, Joshua had a very simple strategy. Kill them all. That's his strategy. Kill them all. Kill the men, kill the women, kill the children, kill their pets, kill everybody. And in fact, Joshua says, this is what God wants you to do. Kill them all. Somehow, that understanding that God's temple was supposed to be a house of prayer for all peoples, they hadn't quite figured that one out yet. So Joshua leads the people in, and they go into, into Canaan, and on a war that lasted several hundred years, they eventually uh, succeeded in driving out all the Canaanites, and it was actually David that finally succeeded in driving all the Canaanites out of the land. So here's this woman, she's a Canaanite. She comes because she hears about this Jewish prophet that can heal the sick. And she needs his help. Her daughter is very sick and she wants her to be healed. So she comes in pursuit of this Jewish prophet. She may have well, very well gone to Tyre and tried to get into the synagogue to see him, but she would have been cast out because Canaanites were not allowed into the synagogue. In fact, most Jews in Jesus' time did not think Canaanites had a right to live. They had no right to exist at all because Joshua had said, God wants them all dead. So from their perspective, they shouldn't even be there. They had no right to exist. But this woman comes to Jesus and she calls him the son of David, recognizing that he is the Messiah. He is the Jewish Messiah. She fully expects him to take the throne in Jerusalem. What's going to happen to her people after that? She doesn't really know, but she doesn't really care. All she cares about is that her child be made well. And another interesting fact in this, in this interaction that we miss because of the way our Bible is translated is that we call Jesus Jesus because the New Testament is, that comes to us from Greek. And that's what his name was in Greek. Jesus was how his name was pronounced in Greek. But in Hebrew, that was not the way his name was pronounced. In Hebrew, his name was Joshua. Or in the Aramaic dialect of the day, he would have been Yeshua. So she comes to a Joshua, calls him the son of David, and asks him to heal her daughter. Well, Jesus, or Joshua, if you will, gives her the silent treatment. 
He's not even going to talk to her. He's in a hurry. He's got some place to be, and he is just ignoring her. And the disciples are, you know, start bothering Jesus. Jesus, get rid of this woman. She's making a racket, and it's, it's disturbing. Get rid of her. And then Jesus looks at her and says, he says, look, sister, I'm on a mission. I'm on a synagogue mission, and I'm in a hurry, so bug off. I haven't got time for you. That's not exactly what he says. The Bible says, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the tribes of Israel. But you get the idea. And then, in desperation, she kneels in the road in front of Jesus, stops him, so he can't go anywhere. She kneels down in the road, she bows down, she touches her forehead to the ground, and she says, Lord, have mercy on me, on me. I know I'm a Canaanite. I know that, that you, you don't care, but I have a right to be here too. I have a right to be here, and, I, and my daughter is sick. She needs you to heal her. Let's look at this lady's, this woman's backstory just a minute. Who is she? She's a single mom, single mom. There weren't too many single moms in, uh, in the region at the time because you couldn't survive as a single mother. In fact, in Jewish law, it, it, you, you could, couldn't be a single mother. If, if, a, if a woman's husband died, then she had to marry her husband's brother because there's no way for a single mother to survive, to live. Where did she come from? Most likely, she had been a temple prostitute. Temple prostitution was the norm for pagan worship experience. So you would go to the, to the pagan temple, and there you'd, have a, you'd, you'd pay money, you'd have a prostitute, and that supports the religion, and everybody's happy. And So temple prostitution was the norm for pagan worship. And as, would have, as you would expect, these prostitutes would get pregnant from time to time. And they were expected to abort their child. Now, abortion in the day was much different from, than today. Basically, they would try to force an early labor and then take the infant and throw the infant into a well. And so the temple would have its own well that they would be tossing babies into. One such dry well was excavated um, the, around 1980 and discovered 20,000 infant skeletons in this well that had been tossed in by the temple prostitutes. So this was very common. But you know, sometimes a mom just has to be a mom. And she begins thinking about this child that's growing within her. And she knows that this child wants to live. This child wants to breathe. This child wants the chance to experience life and to make, make choices for her life. And so she runs away. She runs away from the temple, and somehow she's got to find a way to eke out a living for herself and this child, this little girl that she gives birth to. 
But then at some point, we don't know when, because we have no idea what the age of this child is when the gospel story happens. This child is sick, and she doesn't understand what the illness is. And in the time, if they didn't understand what was causing a sickness, they just called it a demon. That was, um, that was just their common expression. So she says the child has a demon. He's, she's sick. She doesn't know what's wrong. But she's heard about someone who can help. This person happens to be Jewish, which is not a good thing for her. And his name is Joshua, which is not a good thing for her. And he's the Messiah. What's going to happen if he really takes the throne in Jerusalem? She doesn't know. She doesn't care. All that matters is this child. So she comes to Jesus. She kneels in the middle of the road so he can't go any further. She bows her head to the ground and says, Have mercy on me. I matter too. So Jesus doubles down, says to her, It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Oh, that hurt. How, how, what would it be like for Jesus to call you a dog? I mean, that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't matter. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't get upset. She doesn't go up yours, Jesus. She just says, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus looks at her and says, you are a woman of great faith. And in that hour, her child was healed. Why was this woman's faith so great? What is it that we can learn from this woman to see what great faith really is. I see th three things, and I think you've already got the first one, right? Perseverance. Oh my goodness gracious, she was not going to give up. She persevered in prayer. And I think most of us who are parents know what that's like. We pray for our children. Perhaps our children are sick. Perhaps they have a problem that, that's ongoing in their lives. And we pray for them every day. And after years, of praying for them every single day, we just hope that something will really happen. Monica was a woman whose son was a pagan. He was not interested at all in Christianity. Monica herself was a Christian, but her husband was not. Her husband was a pagan, and, and her, her son kind of liked the pagan ways better than the Christian ways, and so he decided to be a pagan, and he was doing quite well as a pagan, actually. But Monica never stopped praying. And then after 30 years of her praying every single day, her son Augustine became a Christian. He became a priest. He became a bishop. He became a saint. All because a mother refused to stop praying. I have kids and I pray for them every day and sometimes there are issues in their lives that I pray for again and again and again. And how long will I keep this up? Well, I'll keep it up until I die. And if it's still not taken care of, when I get to heaven, I'll keep praying. Then I'll get to God face to face and say, look, I've got an issue with my kid. 
because that's what parents do. The perseverance in prayer that a parent has for their child, that is a great faith. And Jesus saw that in this woman. And the other thing which is much more remarkable to me is her intense humility. Goodness gracious, Jesus gives her the silent treatment. She keeps praying. Jesus calls her a dog. She keeps praying. She is there. there you just can't insult this woman because none of that stuff matters to her. All that matters is this child for whom she has given up everything and has to sweat every minute of her existence, I'm sure, just to eke out a living for them. So in great humility, she comes and seeks this gift from God. And the third thing I see, which I really don't have a word for, but I see in this petition that she offers both an act of worship and an act of submission. Several times in this gospel, she calls him Lord. She doesn't try to boss him around. She's, no, she's not in charge. He's in charge. He's the Lord. All she knows how to do is beg and plead. And so in humility and in submission and in worship, she lifts up Jesus, knowing that he is the answer to her. No, I don't know about you, but in my life, I've spent a lot of time praying for the wrong things. Have you ever done that? Sometimes I pray for things over and over again, and, and I'm convinced that's what I want, but it's not, obviously, it's not what God wants. God's got a different plan, and it can get frustrating trying to talk God into, you know, doing my plan instead of his. But I've learned over the years that if I can just align my will with his, then my prayer life is entirely different. No longer do I need to come to God with my list of things that I want or desire from him. All I have to do is proclaim his will and authority and let God be God. To pray as Jesus taught us, really. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus told us we don't need to tell God all the things we need. He knows that already. Just proclaim his perfect will and authority in our life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And leave the rest to God. This woman actually did get what she wanted, didn't she? Eventually, in her perseverance and in her humility and her worship and in her submission, yes, God did heal her daughter. But she got something more, something she didn't expect, something she didn't want, something she didn't even know she needed. She got a savior because his name was Joshua. The name Joshua in Hebrew means the Lord will save. And when the angel spoke to the Blessed Virgin, he commanded that the child she was carrying's name would be Joshua, for he will save his people from their sins. See, the reality is we all need saving from things we don't even know we have. 
We need savings from saving from wounds deep within our souls that give us that cause us to have fears and insecurities that cause us to live in guilt and shame. We need saving from our self-destructiveness where we could drive ourselves into destruction thinking we're doing something wonderful for ourselves. Jesus came to save us from all that. But like the woman, we need to come in humility, in submission, and in persevering prayer that Jesus will save us from the destructiveness that we all seem so bent upon, that truly we will be saved just as this Canaanite woman was, that she and her daughter could live in peace, in fulfillment, and in health. And so can we. For Joshua, Jesus, is the Savior sent by the Father to save us all from our sins.